Maximize Your Influence is your podcast for the latest persuasion, sales, and negotiation techniques. Our mission is to help you influence on command, anyone, anytime, anywhere. Your host is the author of Persuasion IQ, Laws of Charisma, and the best-selling book, Maximum Influence. Now, your host, Kurt Mortensen. All right, back to Maximize Your Influence. This is episode 250. Thanks for being here. I'm going to finish up a little more about talking about slumps, getting a lot of emails on that. Do appreciate your kind words and comments. Of course, any commentary or jokes or even weird persuasion experiences, that's Kurt, K-U-R-T, at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. Been a good week, been home all week, Join the end of summer doing leg therapy. For those of you that are new out there, that would be wake surfing and wake skating and wakeboarding. And getting ready for school to start. Am I excited? I've been thinking about that. Well, if you have kids running around the house, sometimes you get a little bit more done during the day when there's no kids running around. But then I'm going to start teaching some university classes, so that's going to take some time. So I guess I'm neutral on the school thing. Let me know where you sit on that. So summer ends. Are you achieving everything you want to? Are you achieving all your goals? Think about that as we get into today's podcast. Do want to start off with the blunder. Homer, go! Don't, don't, don't! So this happened to me a few weeks ago, traveling with my daughter. Went to a scenic spot. We'll call it Niagara Falls. And there was a restaurant there. A very famous restaurant. Not gonna name... Well, okay, let's name names. It was the Hard Rock. We were going in to see if there was a line, what the weight would be. And right within inches as we walked in the store, this guy came in with a camera. We had us a guitar and wanted us to take pictures, and it was just all of a sudden, out of the blue, we weren't ready for it, and we resisted and said no, even though, as I think about it now, it would probably been fun to have a good picture with my daughter at the Hard Rock, but we were kind of accosted in a space that we shouldn't been accosted. Because sometimes when you surprise people, that can be very persuasive when it's done the right way. And remember a book from Paco Underhill called Why We Buy, and this is the guy who's done all the studies about malls and where things are placed and diagonal floors versus exit at malls versus ceiling heights, you name it, he's the guy. So I went back to the source. I remember reading this. He talked about shoppers' momentum. So they're coming from outside the parking lot or the mall, and it takes a minute for them to slow down, their brain to slow down. And there's this transition zone that he says is about 10 feet where you have to adjust to the lighting, the temperature, and the situation before you can absorb any more information. And he talked about that first 10 feet when you walk into, let's say, a retail store. You don't see sales signs. You don't see flyers until that 10 feet. Because everyone wants to be the first thing that you see, the first thing that happens. But sometimes it's not the best thing. And so that's why he gets the blunder because it was too much in your face. You've got to have at least 10, 20 seconds to adapt or that 10 feet just to get your bearings, a new spot, adjust to the lighting before being accosted. Otherwise, the knee-jerk reaction goes to, I'm just looking, no thank you, I don't want this. Just like the clothing stores, can I help you? They're just looking, especially when they surprise you. And deep down, you're like, oh, I could have used some help. So that is the blunder. Be very careful as you approach people. Don't talk to them that first second. They walk in your door or your place of business or whatever it is. Give them some time to acclimate 10 feet, 20 seconds, whatever it is. 
then you can start the persuasion process. Otherwise, you're going to overload them, and an overloaded mind says no. So thanks, Hard Rock. You are the blunder of the week. So before we get into the geeky article, I want to start with listener email, then go into the article, then go into content, because they all kind of come together. So here's our listener email. Oh, boy! From Frank from North Carolina. Do like North Carolina, like the beaches, and of course, anybody from the Carolinas knows Bojangles. That is a spicy chicken place, and if you're from Carolinas, you know Bojangles, and that's one of their favorite places because it started there. And if you're into spicy fried chicken, Bojangles is a great place to go. Anyway, Frank says, thanks for the series on slumps. I'm officially out of my three-month slump. Thank you. Your podcast is changing lives. And a parenthesis that says NN comes in that has a smiley face. I know in episode 248, you started talking about slumps. And part of that was understanding goals. Then he also says, I remember at the beginning of the year, you talked about the dark side of goals. If you want to go back to the archives, that's at influenceuniversity.com. Then Frank says, I know my goals can be demotivating. How can I use goals to motivate myself and achieve more? Thanks, Frank. I did talk about the dark side of goals on 220 because goals can be very demotivating. When they're overwhelming, you don't have buy-in, you don't like them, they get assigned to you, you don't think there's any way you can achieve it. It is demotivating, it's demoralizing, and it's very hard to achieve those goals. And that is the dark side of goals where it can be very demotivating. Or you're thinking about all the times you set your goals, your New Year's resolution, and didn't do those, that could also be a little demotivating also so goals can destroy but let's focus on how to set goals the right way that inspire success that also help you get out of that slump because goals is a great way to do it when it's done the right way let's go to the geeky article from the british journal of health psychology and huffington post they talk about achieving your goals and something you can do to double your chance for success. So I want to review this and go over some things that guarantee your success and goals. This is what they found. This is a piece of it. Of course, the thing they went to take a look at was exercise, making that a habit. How to get people to stick to their goals, especially exercise. Because I think that's the one we've all failed at the most. That's the one that comes up the most, especially at seminars when I'm talking about self-persuasion and motivation. And so they found something that made a huge difference. So the first group, they were asked to keep track of how frequently they exercised over the next two weeks. Then they were asked to read three paragraphs of an unrelated book, right? It had nothing to do with exercise. So that was the control group. Now, group two was the motivation group. They were asked to keep track of how frequently they exercised over the next two weeks. Then they read a pamphlet on the benefits of exercising, reducing the risk of heart disease, and it was very motivating. Then they were asked to take a look at their exercise over the next couple of weeks. Group three was the intention group. So they were also told to keep track of their exercise and read the motivational pamphlet and got the exact same speech as group two. So they were equally motivated. But they did something a little bit different. This is the important thing. They were asked to formulate a plan about when and where they would exercise over the next couple of weeks. Then they are asked to repeat the following statement. During the next week, I'll partake in at least 20 minutes of vigorous exercise on, on, and of course, they put day, time, and week in place. 
That was the difference. And so they looked at the motivation group versus the intention group. So fast forward two weeks, the three groups. The control group, 38% exercised. Okay. The motivation group, only 35% exercised. So that was worse than the control group. But the intention group, 91% of the participants exercised. 91%. That's almost three times more than the motivation group. So the findings are simply by writing down a plan and exactly when and where they intended to exercise, the participants in group three were much more likely to follow through. So the researcher said motivation has no significant effect on exercise behavior. So if you can visualize it, if you can tell others about it, if you can put it in writing, it makes a huge difference. They also found things with those that were on a diet, for those who were supposed to take vitamins every day. In fact, they found over 100 separate studies that all verified this fact. Bottom line, motivation can be short-lived, especially if you're doing it the wrong way, and does not lead to consistent action. If you want to achieve your goals, then you need a plan for exactly when and where and how you're going to execute them. So that's important to understand as we get in to understand how you create guaranteed goals and make them work for you. Not only get out of slump, to be more successful in life. Now, you can moan all you want, oh, goal setting. But if you need to change the name, let's talk about hitting the target, achieving your objective. I don't care. Too many people get tense when you talk about goals. Why? Because they failed and so they don't set their goals and they don't realize that they're still a failure because they're not achieving any goals. And I'm going to get into why people fail and how to do it the right way. Because if you're wondering why success and wealth has taken so long, it's probably your ability to set, keep, and achieve your goals. And I was guilty before, and I've told you this, that I used to go to seminars and hear these millionaires talk about success and wealth and mindset and multiple streams of income. And a lot of them go straight to the goal setting and the mindset. I'm like, yeah, 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 whatever, give me the tools. And it wasn't happening for me because those are the tools. The most important tools is mindset and your ability to make and achieve goals. Not having goals is like driving around in a Ferrari, fill in the blank, whatever car you like, driving that Ferrari in first gear with the emergency brake on, wondering why you can't get up to speed so if you're wondering about your success and your wealth, it's probably because of this factor. So Frank, let's get into it. Every book on success, every CEO in the world will talk about the importance of goals. There was a study done at a production plant. Two groups, two shifts. One group was told, hey, just try your best. Give us your best. And the other group would say, here are your goals. Here are our expectations. It's no secret that the group with goals accomplished three times more. And you know what? Goals not only help you accomplish more, they increase the happiness in your life. You think about the happiest time in your life, you are pursuing a worthwhile, exciting goal. Not having a goal is like a ship without a rudder. You just float around by the wind and the storms and really get nowhere. And that's what happens when you have no goals, objectives, or targets. In fact, there was a famous Yale study that talked about that only 3% of the graduating seniors had their goals in writing and they followed for 20 years and after 20 years they're accomplishing 10 times more. Well, people weren't sure about that study. That's a big number. But Dominican University also duplicated that study and showed the power of goals. One of my early mentors, Brian Tracy, he's a success expert. Every book he has talks about goals. He says goals triple your commitment level. Or if you've read Think and Grow Rich, and if you haven't, you're not taking your success very seriously, said... 
Set your mind on a definite goal and observe how quickly the world stands aside to let you pass. A goal, a vision, objective, a target. You can't hit the target unless you have one. That's what goals do. But the challenge is most people just don't know how. They've never been taught. They're like, set your goals, set your goals. You're like, okay, they might write it down, but they really don't understand the science behind it. So let's take a deep dive and let me give you the formula for you, your team, and to get out of that slump. For example, if I want to learn how to snow ski, went to the resort, rented my skis, got a ski pass, put on my skis, are like, whoa, 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 this is your first time. Don't you want lessons? You're like, I'm not paying for lessons. How hard can it be? Those people are doing it. I can do it too. And they get on the chairlift, get on the black diamond, not knowing it's the advanced run. And what's going to happen? They hit a tree, break their leg, and say, this is a terrible sport. I'm never doing it again. And that's what most people have done with goals. And that's why we need to take a deep dive. Four parts. Here they are. The first one's what? And that's what most people do. Now, first of all, if it's just in your brain, it's just a dream. It doesn't count. It has to be written down. Written down. And as you write it down, you have to ask yourself, is it specific? I mean, it just can't be something vague. It has to be specific. It has to be something believable, something you really feel that you can believe. Maybe something two to three times more you've accomplished in the past. And the key there is it's measurable. You have to keep the score every day. If you're losing weight, you're on the scale every day. If you're trying to earn money, you're looking at your bank account every day. You have to keep the score every day or every week, whatever it is. If your goal is to be happier, you know, it's hard to measure. How do you measure that? If you know that service makes you happy, maybe you want to do more service two hours a week. That is measurable. That is something you could do. You have to break it down into pieces, specific and measurable and believable. That's very important. And as you do this, you have to be able to visualize yourself skinnier or wealthier or a better public speaker or more persuasive, whatever it is, because the universe will not reward you physically until you can see it mentally. Remember, we've talked about time and time again on the podcast, thoughts control emotions and emotions control actions. And you can do affirmations and they can work for you if they work for you. But if you're going to do them, do them in the present tense. Uh, I hope to be a millionaire. I am a millionaire. Now, careful here. Your conscious mind will fight you at first. First couple of times you say, I'm a millionaire. I'm a millionaire. You have to look around. Your conscious mind says, no, you're not. In fact, what about this, this, and this? I promise you, as you keep doing it, keep visualizing it, keep seeing it, those negative thoughts that are pulling you down will start eroding away. But that usually takes a little time. So that's the what. So after you've done the what, you have to do the when. There has to be a deadline and a date. So take your big goal and break it down into smaller manageable pieces, maybe weekly or daily goals, things you need to do every day or every week. Because if the goal's too big, too large, your brain gets overwhelmed and shuts down and does nothing. Break it down to hourly if you need to. I don't care, but break it down into smaller pieces so you know that if you do this every day or every week or every hour, by your deadline, you're going to accomplish your goal. And I always encourage everybody to get a countdown clock on their cell phone, whatever they need to do to see the time is clicking away and they need to stay on track. So that's number two. Number one's the what. Number two is the when. Number three is the how. What is your game plan? What personal development program are you going to start? Who are you going to mentor with? What podcasts are you going to listen to? Hopefully this one. 
What seminars are you going to go to? What books are you going to read? Probably all of the above. Those are things you need to work on. And realize, what type of person are you? We talked about this in previous podcasts. Are you the nudge person or the jump person? For example, you want to lose weight. Are you the person that just jumps right into it? Cold turkey, you do it. You start exercising an hour a day on Monday. You start doing 60 minutes a day. That's the jump person. The nudge person needs, you know, a day to just read about the exercise equipment, a day to watch the how-to video, and maybe just a couple days to dress up in their exercise clothes, and maybe a couple days just to sit by the exercise equipment. It doesn't matter. I don't care what type of person you are, but your game plan is going to change accordingly. And think about this. If you are on an airplane from L.A. to Singapore, that airplane is off course most of the time. It's always correcting. It's adjusting, correcting, adjusting, correcting. Just like your goals. If your game plan is too hard, too simple, needs to be adjusted, go for it. Maybe instead of 45 minutes a day, it's 60 minutes a day. Maybe instead of just reading the books, you need to find a mentor. You can adjust your game plan. That is okay. And part of that game plan is addressing your fear, finding ways to overcome that, planning for setbacks, because those are going to happen. How are you going to bounce back? And even negative people, and my favorite negative person I've talked about on the show is Aunt Edna. You know, the one at Thanksgiving that you sit next to and don't talk to and sucks the life out of you. How do you deal with the negative people that don't believe you in your goals and what you're doing and your objective? For me, I use it as a motivator. I told my family and friends, hey, I want to become a best-selling author. Like, oh, okay. And that was my goal, my vision. I was working towards that. It takes a little time. It doesn't happen overnight. So at those family reunions, you get the, uh, how's the book coming? <laughs> hey, bestseller. <laughs> okay. Jab, jab. That's what families do. They always judge you on your past mistakes, not your future potential. I use that as a motivator. What are you going to do with it? Avoid them. Use it as a motivator. You have to decide that's part of your how. And also part of that how is the social help. Meaning, tell others. Have an accountability partner. Tell as many people as you can. And be accountable to them every week, every day, whatever you need, every month. Say, so this is what I did this month. This is how much money I saved. This is how much money I made. This is how much weight I lost. Whatever your goal is, the more accountability partners, the more people you tell, it will increase your chances of success. So once you've done those, the what, when, and how, you have to do the fourth one. The most important one is the why. This is the most important one. People don't fail because of lack of goals. They fail because of lack of reasons behind those goals. Just like we talked about in our previous podcast, the science of motivation, the inspiration versus desperation. <laughs> I had a student for the podcast email me and said she set her goals and she did her inspiration. So when she achieved her goals, she was going to donate to her favorite charity. And if she did achieve her goals, she had to donate to an opposing political party. And hey, if that works for you, go for it. <laughs> go for it. Focus on the benefit. Why are you doing this? Do you have a vision board? Can you see yourself there? The best example I can give you is Dan Jansen. Incredible stories. Olympic athlete, speed skater, did the oval track, and was young, held the world record, was going to the first Olympic, was America's boy, was going to win it all, didn't even place. Trained for another four years and got to the medal round, slipped and fell, no medal. But his goal was a gold medal. And everyone says, you hold the world record, don't worry about it. But no, he trained for another four years. Sister was diagnosed with cancer, brain wasn't in it, didn't place. Trained for another four years. And if you're doing the math, that's 16 years, last Olympics, getting older, 
made it to the medal round of his event and was cut off. Both slipped and fell, disqualified, no medal. Isn't that a great story? <laughs> Let me finish it. Now, this was the first year he qualified for the longer race. Not his best event, didn't hold any records, but barely made it to the medal round. And the gun went off, and it was one of those incredible moments in Olympic history where he broke the Olympic record, won the gold medal, did a victory lap with his newborn daughter. Everyone's crying. 16 years, gold medal, finally did it. And we sat down with him and we said, Dan, how did you do that? Most people can't get out of bed in the morning. You stuck to a goal for 16 years. What is your secret? What's going on? And we thought about it. He says, you know, when I was younger, I had a wise coach sit me down and list all the reasons why I wanted that gold medal. For me, for my family, financially. He says, I practice six hours a day, six days a week. And you know, every day after four or five hours, I was cold, hungry, tired, wanted to go home. And when that happened, I'd pull out that list of reasons for my speed suit and find one that would inspire me to get me back in the game. Remember, people don't fail because of lack of goals. They fail because of a lack of reasons behind those goals. So that is your formula. The what, when, how, and why. I guarantee you that it works. Get your brain in the game. Get out of your slump. Stay focused. Get motivated. And find out that this really works. That's why every successful person talks about it. And a few more safety tips. Remember... You want to be like the stock market. Like, okay, Kurt, what does that mean? Well, the stock market goes up and down. It does. But as long as you have an upward trend, you're doing exactly what you need to do. Meaning on your goals, you'll have better days, good days, some bad days. But as long as you're just doing for the most part, you have an upward trend, you're getting closer and closer to your goal, that is what you want. So, Frank, I'm hoping that helps your questions to stay motivated. I didn't want to go to the negative side today. We've done that one before, and this is true for all you maximizers out there. Do this. It works. This is proven science. Let me know what you think. Give me your opinions. Give me your feedback. Again, Kurt, K-U-R-T, at MaximizeYourInfluence.com. You can also find us at MaximizeYourInfluence.com, and our Twitter handle is InfluenceMax. So thanks for being here. Appreciate your love and support. Set your goals. It works. Don't say, oh, that was nice. This works. This will increase your success, your happiness, get you out of your slump, master these skills, and go out and persuade with power.